0: Scare money, don't make money. money. You are listening to Inside the Tunnel, a Virginia Tech Sports Podcast, presented by VT Scoop on 247 Sports.com. right, we're back for another week. Got Evan on the line right now. Evan, before we really dive into the Boston College takes and reactions, I gotta come clean about something. What's up? So those that know me know that I love wearing my Crocs to games, and usually when I do, Virginia Tech wins. I did not wear them to Boston College.
1: So the entire loss is on you. That's on your shoulders.
0: Now, I'm not saying that because I think there's other players at fault here, but I am disappointed in myself. But I do have to ask you, were you wearing your camo Crocs for the game? Like I never do. You never do? No, I do not. You're not gonna you're not gonna come clean to us right now. Don't wear them, especially for games. Oh my god. He wears them all the time. Anyways, let's dive into this Boston College game. First game of the season for Virginia Tech. They fall short on the road by a touchdown. The game was defined by the five turnovers, four by Willis and one by Ezekiah Grimsley on the muff punt. Uh, There was an invisible pass rushing presence from the defensive line and the run game really wasn't up to standards, whether that's on the running backs or the offensive line. What were your takes on it? How do you want to dissect this game?
1: I think it all definitely comes down to Ryan Willis and his ability or lack thereof in the game of protecting the football. I think that you know we've gone back and dissected it kind of every which way. Uh, you know, and, and whatever way you look at it, uh, whichever lens you look at the game through, he made some very questionable decisions. Some of his interceptions, uh actually all three of his interceptions were, uh, you know, questionable throws, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think that his he had a, a perfect opportunity for a touchdown to Phil Patterson down the sideline, underthrew him, badly underthrew him. That one was intercepted. Uh, James Mitchell, the, the toss to James Mitchell that was intercepted. I think that it may have been a a good play call. You know, I I think that as a quarterback it may have been tough to see that linebacker dropping into coverage. But he just tossed a softball out there to James Mitchell and a linebacker jumped right in front of him for the interception. So, you know, I think that had he maybe put some zip on the ball Or maybe try to go a little high with it where, you know, James Mitchell's not a small guy, 6'5", where he could get up and have that wingspan. And, and, you know, if he can't make the catch, it goes out of the back of the end zone. I think situations like that, he could have done a lot better. The the third interception on the screen, I don't want to take anything away from uh, the Boston College defender because that was an athletic. Yeah, that was an amazing play. Anyway, anytime you have a big guy that can that can move his body that way and, and have that interception, that was uh, that was kind of incredible to see. But then again, you know it's a screen and he kind of throws a chest level pass to to Sean McLeese. Had he lofted it, possibly was a completion. I still don't think that it was going to be a big play. I think that uh, McLeese was kind of far behind the line of scrimmage. I believe he was about four yards behind the line of scrimmage. Had he caught it. And he had two defenders basically barreling down on him. One of them likely would have been picked up, but the other looked like a free shot. And, you know, I, I don't think that that play would have gone for much, uh, but it would have obviously been, been more beneficial than a turnover. Uh, and then looking back at the fumble, I think that there's a lot of things that you can blame that on. I think uh, Christian saw definitely whiffed two guys. One went inside and one went outside. He waved his arms at both, didn't get a piece of either. And, and Willis gets crushed and fumbles. You know, part of that's on on Christian Daresall, but I think you have to put part of that on Ryan Willis. He has to take the sack, just just lay down, just just go. You know, Sean Glennon was great at that years ago, get in that fetal position and lay down, protect the football and, and live for another down. But you know, giving up that fumble was, was costly. I think uh, you know, Hezekiah Grimsley's turnover, that's one that you can look at and say, new guy, new punt returner. Yeah, he's a junior. He doesn't have that much experience at the position. I think that uh, he's a guy that the coaching staff has mentioned multiple times that they trust. Could have just been, you know, maybe a, maybe it was just a fluke. We don't know. There's too small of a sample size right now for that. But, you know, when, when you just look back on it, if Ryan Willis doesn't turn the ball over four times, We're probably having a different conversation today. If if he, if he leads Phil Patterson down the sideline, that's seven points right there. If he, you know, throws a dart to James Mitchell, that could have been a touchdown. He had multiple opportunities. Hezekiah Grimsley ran free throughout that uh, Boston College secondary for most of the game, could have had a couple more points on the board. But, you know, I think overall, looking back on it, a lot of Virginia Tech fans will be down about the loss yeah, they lost to a an improved Boston college team, but that Boston college team still isn't a world beater by any uh, stretch of the imagination. They do have one of the best running backs in college football. And I think it was it, it was kind of refreshing to see Bud Foster uh, kind of slow him down, especially in the second half after the the adjustments at halftime. I think there are some takeaways that you can take as a that that I think Virginia Tech fans should definitely look at. Uh, at, at some silver linings, but you know, there's no way that you can cut this thing to think that Virginia Tech didn't just have opportunity after opportunity to put the game away and, and to go one and zero uh, and and get a big ACC win right off the bat. And they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And at the end of the day, that's that's all errors that I think are correctable. I think that's a good thing for Virginia Tech fans. It's not issues that are outside of. The players or the coaching staff being able to fix. I think that uh, that there are a couple things that you would look at and say that they could really build upon. I think Keyshawn King is a guy you can build around. I think he showed very quickly that he's a guy that despite his age can play right away in a big role, and I expect that this weekend. I think him and Tavion Robinson will have a big party this weekend—a big coming-out party against Old Dominion. I, and if I'm the Hokies, I might start working in another quarterback because if Brian Willis implodes again like he did, you have to have a backup plan. Yeah, if I'm if I'm the Hokies, if I'm Justin Fuente, I might really think about throwing out-handed Hooker this weekend.
0: As a as a starter, or just in general, if if they start running up the score a little bit,
1: I throw him out there to start. Gotcha. I think that Ryan Willis needs an opportunity to to sit and to learn and to maybe be humbled a little bit. You know, there's there's a lot of things that we've seen over the last few years. There's you know, he's obviously got a big arm, he's got some zip on the ball. Everybody classifies him. Well, he's a gamer. But there's been some things that we've seen that kind of make you scratch your head a little bit. And I think that the coaching staff could really benefit from sitting him down, whether it's Three different things in practice, whether it's from giving game reps to Hinton Hooker, to installing bigger packages for him, or to maybe even throwing him out there to say, "Hey, Hinton Hooker's going to have the first series, the first two series. Let's see what happens." You know, it's, it's an opportunity not only to build for some future, build up some youth, get your second string quarterback some reps, and also kind of sit your your first string down and say, "Hey, you know, if, if you're not." doing your job but you're not carrying your water then uh, we're gonna we're gonna have somebody else step in that might be able to do the job for you
0: yeah i do want to react a little bit to the boston college game i do want to talk about your Hendon hooker take in just a little bit i think when you're talking about boston college i think you know like you alluded to there were some good moments and especially after they scored the last touchdown the virginia tech offense did To cut it into a one-score game, my immediate thoughts were there's no way this should even be close with all the turnovers that you look at the Tennessee game at Battle of Bristol. They had five turnovers, and it was a blowout. So, you know, immediately I'm thinking you had a really bad game in the turnover department. Yes, Boston College had one, but it was pretty much a trick play. I believe it was their wide receiver that threw that interception. So – uh, any game you're committing more than than four or even five turnovers, you're not going to win that game. I think, to your Ryan Willis point, I think sometimes he, or really all the time, he wants to make that big play, and I think that gets him in trouble a lot. I thought he did do some good things. He made some big throws. The one it, that stands out is the Ezekiah Grimsley throw. I know it wasn't the best coverage, but you know that throw was spot on, and to have Ezekiah as an outside receiver for that game because Damon Hazleton wasn't there. Um, to to have that timing in the first game is encouraging. Like you said, the younger guys, Keyshawn King, Tavion Robinson, uh, even Caleb Smith, I thought was outstanding. So you're looking at at guys that normally aren't in there or not in their respective positions. And I thought they played well. James Mitchell, I should also add into the conversation. So there were some encouraging things. I just think that overall the mistakes just cost them. And maybe that's because Ryan Willis is often just looking for that big play. Uh, I know that after that game, a lot of people were talking about why didn't the coaching staff put in Hendon Hooker? And this will take us to our next conversation. I personally believe that putting in Hendon Hooker during that Boston College game wouldn't really be advantageous for him. I think that part of the punishment for Willis is is leaving him out there kind of when he's playing bad see how he reacts to the level of play he was playing at and he did respond in the end by leading a touchdown drive which is an encouraging sign I think that if Hendon were put in the game or Quincy Patterson for that matter that because of the non-existent running game the offensive line was inconsistent as well I just don't know if it would be beneficial for either of them that you already have one quarterback kind of taking lumps and bruises. Do you need to add a second one in there to kind of hurt their confidence when you know that either one of those guys, Hendon Hooker or Quincy Patterson could be the future of the program. So that kind of brings us now to week two, where I saw your post after the game saying that Hendon Hooker should start. You've kind of already addressed it now. I have a feeling we're going to see at least two quarterbacks in the old dominion game, uh, for, you know, with no disrespect to old dominion, they're a completely different team than last year. And I just don't believe that the score line will be that close by the end of the day. Maybe I'll eat my words, but it seems like a miracle game. And especially with, with Bobby Wilder sending out Eric Kuma and Chris Cunningham as captains, I have a feeling that, that Justin Fuente is going to want to run up the score a little bit, but I am curious in, in what ways, because the sample size that we have of both quarterbacks and especially in the passing game, isn't too great. I mean, for Hendon Hooker, I don't believe he's attempted a pass. I think he hit the one pass he was going to attempt maybe was, was, was a, was a fumble, um, I believe it was the Duke game last year. Uh, we know he's electric in the running game. Granted, it was William and Mary, and it, he had a 69-yard touchdown run. But, but what sort of elements do you think that Hendon Hooker would add to the offense?
1: You know, I think, I think before I get into that with Hendon Hooker, there's one, one silver lining or, or positive that I would take away from Ryan Willis's performance on Saturday, that I think is overlooked. But I think if players or if if, uh, if fans would would go back and rewatch a little bit, I think they might have a little bit different appreciation uh, for the fact that he is going through progression this year. Now it's not all the time. You know, he did stare down Dalton Keene a couple. Times. He did stare down Trey Turner. His 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 first read is always a long read. But going back, like you mentioned, that that Caleb Smith touchdown at the end of the game, that diving catch in the end zone, that play, he was probably the fourth option. He starts, Ryan Willis starts left, keeps looking, keeps looking, brings his eyes down the middle of the field, brings it around to the right, and throws a dart. that's that's progression. That's something that we haven't seen a whole lot of Ryan Willis do. He started doing it a little bit at the end of the year last year, and he's carried that over. I think that's really, really going to help him moving forward. The, The big question that I have with him and why I think it would have been smart for Virginia Tech to bring out Hendon Hooker in the first series of the second half against Boston College and why I would maybe even dare start him this weekend against Old Dominion is because I'm not confident that Ryan Willis can run an RPO offense. He's got a big arm. He can air it out. He can zip it down the field. We've seen it. Can he read an RPO to save his life? Right now, I'm going to go with no. He, he doesn't know how to read a crashing D end. He doesn't really know how to look over the defense and try to pick up what what they're showing pre-snap. And, and you know, sometimes he, he things work out. Sometimes things don't. He ends up handing it off when he shouldn't. He ends up. Not reading correctly, uh, and you know the uh, the, the RPO with a pop, pop pass over the middle that seems to be kind of non-existent. Gerard Evans had that as kind of his bread and butter when he, uh, you know, took Virginia Tech to the ACC championship game. Now, in the Boston College game, a lot of a lot of fans on the message boards were clamoring for Andy Hooker to come in later in the game. That I don't agree with. Virginia Tech had to air the ball out. His run, the run game would not have really helped. They had to score points and had to keep the clock from winding down. But to start the second half, I absolutely would have thrown him in there. Boston College maybe wasn't prepared for him. He has an electric uh, you know, ability with his legs. Can he throw it? We don't really know, honestly. Uh, in practice, he's been inconsistent. He's had fumbling issues. Uh, he has had some turnover issues. But if you want to jumpstart a run game, I would have thrown him or Quincy Patterson in as a power runner for at least a few plays and tried to one humble Ryan Willis and two catch Boston College off guard. Because Virginia Tech needed some electricity, they needed something to go their way. After uh, you know throwing, I believe I believe Ryan Willis threw two interceptions in the first half. Uh, you know when when it comes to that, you, you need to find a way to win a game. You need to do anything you can to win a game. Um, You know, I think we saw that with some of the players. Even Trey Turner cramps up really bad and comes back on the field. Didn't look like he could even run, but trying to win the game for his team, I think that stuff like that maybe goes a long way. And if I'm if I was uh, you know in Justin Fuente's shoes, I think I would have taken a hard look at would Hendon Hooker help us win this game right now? Can he give us something that Ryan Willis can't give us? Uh, Boston College didn't respect Virginia Tech's run game. They knew it wasn't going to beat them. So why don't you throw somebody out there to try and jumpstart that game, that, that run game? Throw out a guy. Maybe they're not, not, they're not ready for that's fast. That if he gets outside and turns the corner, could be gone. And I think it's a question that at least had to go through their minds at some point. And it definitely went through mine and going into old dominion. Like you mentioned, it's a team that, yes, they beat Virginia Tech last year. Uh, you know, they're going to be riding that emotion, but. Last year's old Dominion team was a lot better than this year's old Dominion team, and that's saying a lot. They had two NFL wide receivers, an NFL defensive end. Uh, They had a very good running back and a quarterback that just got really hot, and nobody could do anything about it. This year, uh, they they don't really have a quarterback. They have Eric Kuma, and you know the rest of the wide receivers are a little bit up for grabs. Their defense is, you know, very green. Uh, They they had a very close game against North State on Saturday. You know, one in the final minutes, but I think that, uh, you know, this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, if you're Justin Fuente, and maybe try to throw a little wrinkle in there. They're going to be preparing for Ryan Willis. They're going to be, pre- be preparing for him and his arm and air it out. And they're not going to respect Virginia Tech's run game. No team's going to respect it right now until they, Virginia Tech can give them a reason to respect it. And I would, I would roll the dice. I'd maybe throw Hinden Hooker out there, snap one, run some RPOs. Uh, try to run maybe even some option uh, and just get this run game going where, uh, the, you know, other teams are going to have to start to respect the fact that they can't just sell out every game to stop riding Willis's arm and say, beat us on the ground. If you give an option to actually beat you on the ground, even if you have to change quarterbacks,
0: uh, say, go for it. Old Dominion, if you're listening to this, you're welcome. Um, but but just I know you don't have too much more time to give us. You have more important things to do tonight. But uh, just to wrap up final thoughts, I do think it's important the, the distinction you made between uh, Henan Hooker and Ryan Willis, that with one, you're kind of getting more of that pro style pocket passer, maybe a mismatch of the system itself whereas Hendon Hooker may be more of the running threat. We don't really know what he's getting, but I think it's important to make that distinction because a, a lot of times when a quarterback's having a tough game, and granted, I think that might be the worst game that Ryan Willis has ever played. Uh, I don't think you can really expect that going forward, um, but but it's important to make that distinction because a lot of times when, when fans see a quarterback struggling, they oftentimes just want to go to the bench because. There's an unknown quantity there, and they think that you know this guy can can all of a sudden alleviate all the problems that are happening. So I think the good news for Virginia Tech fans, and again, no no discredit to Old Dominion, is that regardless if Hendon comes out for the first snap or Ryan Willis plays three quarters, two quarters, uh, I think it's a good opportunity this game the following game against Furman uh to kind of see what the quarterbacks look like if if Hendon can come in and and show promise passing the football maybe there's more of a conversation point to have I think right now it's still a little bit early um but but I think that's good news at the end of the day so anyways thank you Evan For joining us once again. The podcast is in full swing. I could not be more excited about it. We're gonna welcome on Doug in a little bit to break down the old Dominion game, maybe do some player ratings for Boston College. But Evan, once again, thanks for thanks for catching up. Okay, no problem. Let's talk later. All right, Doug Bowman is now with us. Not only is he a good friend, but he also writes for VT Scoop. He writes the game previews each and every week very in-depth if you know nothing about the opposition he'll tell you absolutely everything about them doug it was a pleasure seeing you in boston how was your weekend
2: it, it was great it was a pleasure seeing you sir um uh you know I, we uh went to the game on saturday finished it up with zach brown band at Fenway park on monday came home monday pretty good weekend
0: Yeah, I'm a little disappointed I didn't show up for the Zach Brown Band in Fenway Park. It looked awesome. I saw a little bit of it after the game on Saturday. Um, But unfortunately, since I booked this flight so long ago, I left early Sunday morning and it wasn't the most pleasant experience. Um, But I do want to jump in to the Boston College game. We got a little bit of Evan's reactions to the game, but I want to hear just your general thoughts about the game.
2: Uh, A little disappointing, obviously. I think, you know, particularly Brian Willis has been the, the talk of the town for the last couple of days. Um, four, what is it, four turnovers. I don't think anybody's expecting that out of a, a redshirt senior, um, particularly, you know, an ACC game to open up the season like that, that was a, you could largely pin, pin the game on him. They lost by seven points and he turned it over four times. So I think there were some some bright spots. I think we'll go through that here in a minute. But obviously the turnovers are the big story, and you know I don't think you can expect to win any game when you turn the ball over five times.
0: Yeah, I will say it. It, it is a bit surprising that they only lost by seven. Especially I mentioned it to Evan, but the Tennessee game at Battle of Bristol was five turnovers, maybe more. I believe it was five, but you know that was a blowout. So maybe against a better team. Uh, you're seeing a much larger margin of victory, but um we did discuss a little bit about Boston College. We went in depth about uh, you know the positives, the negatives. One segment I want to try out with you is doing some player ratings for the Virginia Tech offense defense special teams. Uh, the way it's gonna work is uh, a zero out of ten is well, that player should probably head to d three maybe not, but <laughs> Uh, didn't have a great game, and 10 is a brilliant performance. So we'll start off with the quarterback position. What would you rate Ryan Willis out of 10? I'm
2: going to give him a three here. Uh, I think we just briefly discussed the four turnovers, which were just you know brutal, two of them. Uh, the two interceptions down by down by the end zone or right at the end zone, they, they stopped drives that probably would have resulted in points. You know, we talked about Virginia Tech lost by seven points there. There's, you, you could look at those two interceptions in particular as ones that, you know, stop drives that would have resulted in at least a field goal, maybe a touchdown um, that, that that really changed the game. And uh, on the other hand, he had four touchdown passes. So
1: <laughs>
2: I, I got to give him a little bit of credit there. So I've giving him, given him a three, but um, he was, You know, the clear difference in the game, um, despite, you know, the throw to Grimsley early was a perfect throw for 55 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, the the throw to Smith late to pull within seven um, was another great throw. So he, he showed flashes of that, but you just can't get past turnovers that change the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was between a three and a four. I think the good was very good. But at the end of the day, at the quarterback position, and especially for this offense, you can't turn over the ball, and you can't do it four times. So I think that brings it down. I'm sure some posters on our board will have him at a zero. Um, but now for the running back position, I would grade them, and this one was tough. I said four out of ten. Uh, I thought they were let down a little bit by the offensive line. Uh, the guys that were in there, uh, Keyshawn King, Deshaun McLeese, and Jalen Holston, and who also got injured, uh, so prayers up for him but uh, they didn't make too many guys miss it was the running game wasn't really a threat whether that's because you know they tried to experiment with the read option with Ryan Willis or he was making bad reads it was a little bit on everyone that everyone could have done better on the offensive side of the ball so it, it really was a lackluster run game and I think it leaves a lot to be z- desired um, at the same time I think when you look at guys like Keyshawn King, uh, even though he had no room to make plays, um, there was movements there. You could kind of see a little bit of his explosion. Obviously not the way fans want. They want to see him streaking down the sideline for a 90-yard touchdown run. But you can tell that the raw potential is there. So I think that's what leads me to say four out of ten.
2: Yeah, I had the running back at five, you know, right around where you had them. Um, I think they had 74 net rushing yards. No, between McLeese Colson and King, none of them um, ended up with anything more than three three point three yards per carry. You know, they've we talked about this for the last several years now, is that, you know, Virginia Tech just hasn't had a running back that can change the game that they can rely on for twenty to twenty five carries and um, you know that I think that came up again. Obviously you talked about King, he he obviously has the most natural talent of any of the backs, whether he's too young to get twenty carries a game, or too small, or anything like that. Anything like that, we'll see um, over the next several weeks, probably. Um, but he definitely flashed the most ability out of McLeese, and then obviously you mentioned Holston, who's going to miss some time.
0: And now let's let's go over to the wide receivers. How did you grade them?
2: I have the, I had them as the standout group, um, probably for the game, um, for the entire team. I had them in eight. Obviously, Avion Robinson and Caleb Smith, the newcomers, the guys we hadn't seen before, were were excellent. Um, Robinson and, and Smith both caught touchdowns. Um, and you had the returners, Grimsley and Turner, um, combined nine catches, 147 yards. There, you know, I think with those four guys um, getting open and catching uh, catching a couple touchdown passes, I think they really kept them in the game. I'll count James Mitchell as a wide receiver here based on where he lined up. Um, I thought, obviously, he's going to be a threat in the spot pretty much all season. I thought the the touchdown pass he caught is exactly how Tech will probably use him over and over again throughout his career. Um, I thought Damon Hazleton didn't play. Obviously, he's had a hamstring injury that's bothered him for much of the last month. I thought, despite Grimsley and Turner... And Robinson and Smith playing really well, I thought his absence was still felt out there. I think, obviously, when you can line up Turner and Hazleton um, on on opposite sides, it, it adds a lot to the offense. So. But overall, I thought it was a good, a good performance. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens with, with Robinson and Smith going forward.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I do want to add one thing. You, you did mention that Damon Hazleton was out, I think. With the emergence of Tavion Robinson as a true freshman, kind of starting in that slot position, moving Ezekiah Grimsley to the outside, it was a little bit of a different look. And I know Trey Turner was suffering from cramps, I believe. Um, So it was was pretty much Tavion Robinson, Ezekiah Grimsley, and Caleb Smith uh, for large portions of that game, which I thought was interesting because it was a completely different cast or players in different positions than Ryan Willis is used to. He did a lot of good with it, but I think it makes you excited that if you take away a lot of those turnovers and you have guys in in their natural spots, I think Ezekiah Grinsley is going to stay outside and he looked good at that. Um, But it makes you excited for the future of this wide receiver core. Uh, And you did touch on James Mitchell. And I was gonna go over the tight end category, but if we're just gonna leave Dalton Keen there, um, I don't really know what happened there's to not him. A lot
2: of tight ends. Yeah, there, there's
0: not a lot of tight ends. Yeah, there's not a lot of tight ends. I thought maybe we'd see Eric Gallo, but maybe they're saving him for uh, four other games. Uh, maybe it seems like he's gonna redshirt. Um, but Dalton Keen, he
2: what's up? He was on the, particip- the he was on the participation chart. I don't know what that means. I didn't see him on the field, but he, he is
0: listed playing, so I'm not sure. Maybe special teams, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I can't recall seeing him out there. Um, but I guess he did play. Um, Dalton Keene seemed hurt, um, more of a blocking threat. Don't really know what to grade that, so I guess just NA for that. Um, but we can move on to the offensive line now. This one, I'm excited to. To hear what you have to say, my grade for it is a four out of ten. Uh, I think largely because we've been drooling over the potential of the room, and we feel like Vance Vice has really made strides in getting the necessary talent, the depth, the athleticism, and even the size. I mean, with with TJ Jackson in there, but but it just felt like the performance itself, and maybe it's just the first game jitters, but it but it felt flat. And I would not be surprised whatsoever to, to see some changes made. I think particularly at the center position, maybe at right guard with TJ Jackson. Um, I just thought it wasn't a very strong performance from any of the five. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head. I had him at a five um, good enough to give Willis time to throw for four touchdowns and 344 yards, but couldn't get much going on the ground. Um, obviously the the sack fumble, um, that resulted in a short field for Boston college. Not sure if that was Willis's responsibility or the offensive line's responsibility to see that blitz, or maybe there's just nothing they could do when it was disguised like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I felt like there was, after all the hype of the preseason, um, and the young talent and everything happening there, um, I thought, it was a pretty flat performance. I I, I like how you described that.
0: Now let's flip things over to the defensive side of the ball. I'll give you this one. The defensive line. <laughs>
2: Non-existent. I have met a four. Um Taiwan Garbitz injury, obviously, second series of the game, not not helpful and knocked him out of the game and he's probably Virginia Tech's best pass rusher and from there. Uh, Tech got nothing nothing from the pass rush. Emmanuel Belmar was a returning starter, basically, at the other defensive end. Did virtually nothing. Um, I thought Javion Adams and Eli... Javion Beckton and Eli Adams, was, they look decent, but they're still young. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much you can count on them to play as many snaps as they did um, throughout the course of that game, obviously, because of Garbett's injury. So... A lot of questions there at defensive end and whether Virginia Tech is going to be able to get any sort of pass rush this year. Inside, uh, I thought Jared Hewitt was decent. He might just be what he is at this point as one of the starters. And then you had the three newcomers, Deshaun Crawford, Norell Pollard, and Mario Kendricks. You know, it was it did decent, but it was their first game and, you know, they had their moments. I saw Mario Kendricks got pancaked sideways on the one touchdown uh, touchdown rush on the goal line. So just going to be one of those positions that you kind of go up and down with with true freshmen and newcomers and and other guys not producing. So we'll we'll have to see what happens here over the next several weeks.
0: Yeah, I think you pretty much covered it all. Um, I do want to add that maybe this is a product of all the recruiting fails over the years. Um, But I was (laughs) surprised by how much rotation they did, Um, especially – with, I guess it makes sense in the interior um, with Mario Kendricks and Norell Pollard. You know, I thought Pollard played tremendous for that being his first game. I I was with you. I said a four. I really wanted to give them a five just because they essentially shut down AJ Dillon, who's a potential Heisman candidate, maybe not on BC, but a, a guy that's typically ran for a thousand yards and countless touchdowns. So I thought that was one of the strongest performances against him. Um but yeah, I'm with you there. I think I think a 4 is pretty accurate. Um but moving on to the linebackers. I got this one and um I I would give it a 10 if it were simply for Ashby. I thought he was stellar. Um but I'm going to go I'm going to go 6 out of 10 here. Um I think Ashby just the way he plays He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he just always seems to be around the play, and he knows what he's doing. He may be the only one, but um, he just continually shows that he's the most important and the best overall player on the defense, at least in my opinion. I thought the rotation at backer was really interesting. Uh, You know, everyone's hyping up Dax and and is he going to be the guy that stays there forever? And I think he's kind of in that position because of how good Ashby is. But it seemed like Tisdale was stealing a lot of those snaps and he might continue to eat at Dax's workload. I know he mentioned today at the press conference that uh, Dax said he doesn't really care about how much he plays. He just wants to win. So it seems like a good situation there. Um, But that was surprising to me.
2: Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I had him at seven. Uh, Ashby is clearly the best player on the defense, uh, 13 tackles. I think he's one of the only few with multiple tackles for loss. And I completely agree with you on the Dax and Tisdale rotation and forming there. I think everybody expected Dax to start at back there for the next two or three seasons. Um, it's surprising and good to see Alan Tisdale end are pushing him for playing time. Now we'll see. Kind of the same situation that happened last year with Dax pushing Dylan Rivers, and eventually Dax took him over. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks if Tisdale is the one pushing Dax out.
0: Yeah, I also want to – I'll add Whip into there. I don't know if you were going to address that in your defensive backs, um, but I actually really liked what I saw out of Jamari Connor. Um, I think around the line of scrimmage, he looked fairly confident. Um, he's a big hitter. He trusts his shoulder um, in coverage, maybe not so much, but overall, I think it's, it's a positive development to have a guy there. That's, you know, a former four-star guy, a guy that's really athletic and I think can make a lot of plays. It was, you know, his first game starting. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll factor him in there to that six. Um, if you want to add anything yeah. to that.
2: Yeah, I- yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head for Connor too. With five tackles, you know. I think he didn't make any major mistakes. Is a is a is an athletic upgrade at that position over Clear Ladler. So I think I don't have any concerns about him going forward.
0: Now on to the defensive backs. What was once a struggle last year comes out and I mean that second quarter didn't look the best. A uh, couple big plays. What is what is your rating for that position group?
2: I actually had him at a four. Um, I, I, know, I felt they got hurt by the lack of the pass rush up front. It's, It's got to be hard to chase around with wide receivers when the quarterback is sitting back there having all day to throw. I think that's partly what happened to Caleb Farley on that one play um, early, that one completion deep down the field. I mean, Brown was, not, was rolling out, but he didn't have any pressure on him in his face or anything like that. So the guy is, in a scramble drill, basically, you know, Farley's been chasing him around for most of the the play already. And then he comes free. Um, So I thought that, um, I thought that hurt him a lot early. They got better after that. Obviously, Jermaine Waller comes through with a big interception. Not sure what Boston College was thinking on that play, uh, considering they were pretty much in control of the game at that point. But, you know, I thought the corners in particular got, got stronger as the game went on. I thought Reggie Floyd, he finished with nine tackles. I think that was third on the team. But, you know, the two touchdown runs um, by, I think it was Dylan and then Brown, he gets sucked inside and, and and misses his gap. And I think that's something that, as a senior, that's something you were hoping that would have been shored up. You know, we saw that play all the time last year when a guy gets through the line um, and then there's no safety there to stop him. And, you know, it happened again on two big plays. So I think I think Reggie Floyd will tell you that he played a decent game, but there were a couple of huge plays where he just was out of position.
0: Yeah, and I think part of the reason that maybe the secondary wasn't so strong is because Divine Diablo, he just can't seem to stay healthy. But, uh, you know, forcing Ladler to play free safety for large spells of that game just kind of seemed to mess with the chemistry. Maybe it's just not all put together there. Uh, I know Javon Quillen got beat pretty soundly on a one-on-one, uh, I believe, in the first quarter. But, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty lukewarm performance there. Um, now I do want to bring up special teams because they are people too. And um, I, <laughs> I, I want to have a higher grade for this, but I have to factor in the Ezekiah muffed punt So I would say six out of 10. I thought Oscar Bradburn was fantastic. I mean, he's so underappreciated for what his duties are, but I understand that he's a punter at the end of the day. Um, You know, I'm on record multiple times saying that, you know, he's the best overall player for what he has to do. Um, Oscar Shadley being the first man down the field never gets old. Uh, And, I mean, the kicking game was, you know – they didn't really have to do too much besides extra points. So, um, And then the return game, uh, punt return, the one mess up, and then the kick return, I can't really recall too much. So uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, at him at a five, You touched on the the muff was just a crucial play in the game to give him that short field there. Um, I thought the kick return unit, Robinson, I think he had one where he got a little loose. With, you know, going thirty, you know, no big return or anything like that. And then, you know, Brad Burns solid as always. Um, he he's about as steady as it comes at punter. And you know, Brian Johnson didn't do anything except kick extra points all day. So, you know, I had him at a five just because of the magnitude of what that must punt meant.
0: Absolutely. Now, I do want to switch things up to the Old Dominion game. Now, this one is definitely circled by both teams for various reasons. <laughs> Bobby Wilder actually named Eric Kuma and Chris Cunningham captains for the game. That has, that has led me to believe that Justin Fuente is going to try to run up the score if he can. Uh, but I think there's a lot of interesting storylines, you know, Brian Stein, over there, uh, Zon Burden, a former wide receivers coach for old dominion, a lot of different stories, a lot of different angles, but, but most importantly, I think it's going to come down to can Virginia Tech get revenge this year? It, was it just a miracle or could the same thing happen uh, inside Lane Stadium this time? So uh, Doug does a really, really good job of, of covering the opponent every week. I know I mentioned it in the beginning, um, but I kind of want to give him the stage here to kind of break down what Old Dominion brings to the table.
2: Yeah, it's a completely different team for Old Dominion. Obviously, last year they picked up the forty-nine thirty-five Um Since then, they finished last season four and eight. Bobby Wilder has been there forever, but it was facing, started to face some some pressures. So they made brought in four new assistant coaches. They brought in a ton of new players. Um, I think probably up near forty. I think they had a freshman class of twenty-eight and brought in a bunch of new jucos, and then obviously the transfers you mentioned. Um, Eric Kuma and Chris Cunningham. So it's a it's a completely different different team. I don't think it's any anything different as what we saw the game last year should have been. And that Virginia Tech clearly has a huge advantage. They put up 35 points last year against Old Dominion, in one of the one of the worst program, one of the worst games in program history two years ago um, in Blacksburg. They put up 38. I don't think points are going to be a huge issue this weekend um, for Virginia Tech. Defensively is where you're obviously going to be concerned, um, especially with such a young group. Uh, gave up 35 to Boston College, things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, I don't think I don't think what happened last year is going to happen again this year. Uh, Old Dominion brought in a new quarterback, the JUCO transfer named Stone Smart. Wow, Smart with two T's. That's two T's at the end, um, so it's S M A R T T. Um, he's a big Juco transfer. He was a Juco All-American last year. He's dangerous in the ground game. I wouldn't say he's he's not a burner. He's not going. He's not a you know Kyler Murray type that's going to blow by you and make you miss. He's more just going to run into you and pick up six or seven yards. So I think watching him in the read option game is going to be crucial. Virginia Tech struggled for years stopping running quarterbacks. And I think especially with a young defense, a young defensive line, you, you could get in a situation um, where, you know, he's picking up six or seven yards and it's tough to bring him down. Running back, their primary back can be Lala Davis, who I think many Tech fans who follow recruiting will probably know well um, as they kind of sniffed the tires on him for quite a while. Back a couple years ago while he was tearing up um high school. So between Smart and Lala Davis offensively, they're actually going to run the ball more um, or they would like to run the ball well more. I'm not sure I'm not sure whether if they get behind big early, if they'll be able to run the ball as much as they would like, but that's kind of a difference from last year where they were airing it out. I think like LaRusso threw the ball 49 times in the win last year. I don't think Stone Smart is going to come anywhere near that defensively they run this funky 4 5 defense you're going to see two men on the line of scrimmage a lot like a defensive tackle double defensive tackle look it's weird it's they got a bunch of you know athletes standing up and blitzing from different places so we'll see how the offensive line Virginia Tech's offensive line communicates and handles you know guys coming from everywhere um I think their best player on defense is their Mike linebacker, Lawrence Garner, who's led the team in tackles in like nine of their last 10 games. did it again last week. But again, I think Tech's big advantage is going to be in the passing game with those wide receivers. I think they can can put up some points with some big plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the defense for Old Dominion, even last year, even winning the game against Virginia Tech, was ranked near the bottom uh, of all of college football. So uh, I, I don't think I expect anything different out of them. And, I mean, if if they're running a, a funky defense, maybe they're looking for something to work. Uh, as for the offense, uh, Stone Smart, what a name. I mean, that is, that is incredible. Um, so I'm sure after this Virginia Tech game, I'm simply going to be following his – career trajectory based off his name so i hope he lives up to the hype but yeah i mean (laughs) uh all that information again is very important uh for for people trying to get a better feel and maybe not just run to their tvs next weekend and assume that uh they have a walter camp national player of the week back at quarterback i think he joined a ministry if i'm not mistaken but he went to
2: seminary school
0: well good for him i mean we all have priorities in life and i'm sure he's following his his true mission um but but yeah i mean uh it, it's good to know a lot of these things so that people know what to expect for saturday instead of uh i guess last year where nobody really knew what to expect so you know we'll see um but I, what what is your overall feel for how the game may shape up, and in terms of you know, do you is there any way that this could be close, or do you see this as a complete blowout?
2: I think the only way it's close is if Smart gets going in the ground game. They ran him 13 times last week against Norfolk State. Um, he threw, he was 17 and 23 passing, which is you know, pretty good numbers, but he only threw for 158 yards, so he's not really pushing it down the field um, through the air. So I think I think they're going to try and get him going in the, in the ground game. And if, you know, he, he puts it together – if him and Lala Davis can get going, then I think they can keep it close. But also I just think Virginia Tech's offense, playing at home, playing in front of the home crowd, all of that, I think they can get out to – if they can get ahead early and get Old Dominion playing catch up, I, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it will turn out very close at all. I think, I think playing behind – doesn't allow you know, Stone Smart and Lala Davis and Odu to do what they did last week, which was kind of control the game on the ground. So I think the key for Virginia Tech is going to be a quick start in the first quarter, get up big, and then rotate in all the young players.
0: Yeah, I think that hopefully for Virginia Tech fans that, that it's going to be uh, the Hokies going up big and big early. Because I know after last week and especially looking over the message boards, and Evan made this point earlier in the podcast, they want to see as many quarterbacks as they can. I don't think that's completely fair to yep. Ryan Willis, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then in terms of 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 my personal expectations, I've never really seen Fuente too too fired up outside of of that one UNC game when it was what, fifty two or fifty nine to seven. Yeah. Yep. Fifty
2: nine seven. I think
0: fifty nine seven. So y- you could tell that was kind of a vendetta, and I think that you know, after what happened last year, and kind of questioning his credibility as uh, as a coach at the ACC caliber school, um, and then you know, I don't really know what they were doing with with making Eric Huma and and Chris Cunningham captains. I guess maybe they showed a lot of leadership in four-ish months, but it seems like, you know, something to grab headlines and kind of bring attention to Old Dominion and kind of laugh at Virginia Tech. Maybe, I mean, that's just how I interpret it. So maybe this is the second coming of the revenge game, similar to what we saw against UNC. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think that's just, gamesmanship or whatever you want to call it by naming Kuma and Cunningham captains. I don't know. You know, that just means they're going to walk out for the coin toss. Um, I don't think, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, Kuma caught four passes for 65 yards last week again, or State. Cunningham had one catch for 12 yards. I, you know, I don't know that. I mean, I'm sure Kuma wants to catch three touchdown passes, but, um, yeah, I think the goal is going to be to just get up big early. If they want to run it up a little bit, they might, but I, you know, I think this is one of the games where like everybody on the message board is wanting to see quarterbacks. This game, the Furman game next week, and the Rhode Island game in October are three opportunities for for really for both Enden Hooker and Quincy Patterson to to get actual snaps in a real game. So I think. I think Fuente is going to be aggressive about it early and see if he can get up, you know, 28-0 after one quarter, 42-3 to at half or something like that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And uh, for, for Eric Kuma and Chris Cunningham, hopefully uh, Stone Smart can get them the ball. We'll see. <laughs> um, but, Doug, thank you so much for all your insight. You have been a very welcomed addition to the VT Scoop community and I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot out of you on this podcast, on the message boards, and various article previews throughout the fall.
2: I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, you know, hopefully we can we can catch up at a game later this fall, I think. Too.
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right, Doug, thanks <laughs> once again.